For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings shall be not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 151 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhardt. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And we're coming at you live. Well, live right now. Pre-record if you... What the fuck ever. We're coming at you from uh, the dirty south. Oh boy. Back at it. Back at it with work. Back at it with... Uh, with bad weather. Is it bad weather over there where you are? Yeah, it's been raining a lot. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of wondering if... Uh, Mowing the grass was difficult because it's been raining so much. Uh, yeah, I, I was kind of wondering... We're I, Like, I'm in the middle of a thunderstorm over here right now, so I'm wondering if that's going to get picked up on the mic. So if you hear any clamoring outside, it's because... And the thunder rolled. Bow, <laughs> bow, bow. So, this is our first time talking since our, our nice little California vacation we went on. This How is our buddy? first time back. Yeah. This, I'm good. I mean, I'm sad I'm not in California anymore. But <laughs> Dude, the, the post-vacation blues hit me hard over the last couple of days. I'm not going to lie. It, oh, yeah. Like, it, it was a little different than when we went to Celebration because when we drove like at the further we got away for from orlando like the more bummed i got i was like oh man it's over this time though i think because we had some difficulty um getting back home with our flights and stuff it was all kinds of fucked up and then when we finally got back home like we landed i got home and immediately went back to work so like i was super crazy busy and and stuff for the first couple of days but once things calmed down a little bit and i had a chance to take it all in i've just been like man things were a lot more cool a week ago sure was a lot more fun but anyways i've got uh some extended business to give you guys before we get into the podcast this week where we're gonna be uh sort of going over some of the more interesting parts of our trip and discussing solo a little further in a little more detail and we'll be hearing from you guys emails and voice messages and whatnot but anyways you can 
like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. You can email us at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at Blue Harvest Pod. You can uh, check out our store, our T Public store, tpublic.com slash user slash Blue Harvest Podcast. And we are very excited to be part of the Making Star Wars Podcast Network, where uh, you might hear some crossovering happening in the last few days with your boys, Halls and Will. Like, uh, I don't know, Now This Is Podcasting, where we were on the latest episode. Steel Wars, where you can listen to the live panel solo reaction show from the Scum and Villainy Cantina that I was part of. Rebel Girl, Podcast 2187, The Sith List, Rogue One, a Star Wars podcast for winners, Tarkin's Top Shelf, Idiot's Array, Cantina Cast, First Order Transmissions, and The Cargo Hold. Also, if you want to hear more of me and Will, we're on... I can't remember, three or four episodes of Fingered with Randy and Jason. Um, and that was a real good time. So if you want to hear more of us with those dudes, check that out. And that's the business. That was good business. <clears throat> I, I was actually thinking about it today. The combined hours of podcasting we did on our trip, like, pretty good, man pretty good yeah. we put in some podcasting hours while we were out there we sure did so uh how's how's it been getting back to the real world buddy sad but good you know yeah i mean it's, it's nice. good to be home back in my routine but it's sad that i'm not on vacation I'm back anymore. in my i'm home and back in my routine yeah i mean it's it is nice to be back and like around all my stuff and comfortable. It was excellent to see the animals when we got home. They were so excited. Um, but yeah, man. I get the hype on California. I'm not going to lie. Like, I understand why everyone likes it so much. Yeah, I, I totally get it. Like, you take away the traffic. Like, you could even supplement that with, like, Birmingham-style traffic, which, I mean, you know, is impossible. But you, you take that one thing out, and it literally would be, like, Fucking right on, man. Yeah. Still not a fan of that traffic. I, you, That's probably going to be a running theme as me fucking bitching about that traffic. Shoo, it made me nervous. So, um, uh, have you seen Solo anymore since uh, we got to go not see anymore. it last Thursday? Yeah. Just the ones. Yeah, I thought you might be pretty busy and on it. I actually snuck away from work today, you know, like during my normal work hours and went to see... Um, see it for my second time which is weird because by now i would have normally seen it at least a couple more times than that um <clears throat> and man i gotta say i still feel the same i feel like it was a fun ride uh i enjoyed the second viewing because i already know what i'm in for you know what i'm saying right. that first star wars viewing is tough for me i get easily distracted i get in my own head i miss things and stuff and this one though i was able to kick back and just sort of take it all and enjoy it. Man, it's a fun ride. Um, it's a shame to see it's not doing so great at the box office so far. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Yeah, I mean... What do you think uh, it is? I've been reading some articles on it, and I don't mean like clickbaity, Star Wars is ruined articles. Yeah. I mean like, you know, sort of 
industry legitimate film critic yeah, well not even critic like anal- analytics of its box right. office performance and you know there's even been quotes from some higher ups at Disney that have talked about it and honestly I think it's I think there's so I, I don't think it's any one thing you know um, the thing I keep hearing is oversaturation mm. there's too much too often I mean I guess I mean, I, I, I guess I could see that being part of it for sure. But I also think, like, if that's... How, how is that oversaturation when Marvel puts out two to three movies a year? Right. And you know? one of the articles I was reading was saying that because they're different, because one's a comic book and one's like an opera, you know, it's hard. Uh, it, it was, you know, trying to make the the argument that it just Star Wars is just one of those things that you can't have too often, but you know I don't know. I I don't know. I hear that argument, but I'm not sure. Like, yeah, I'm not sure either. You know, for all the reading means. on it I've I've done, it's not like I've gleaned any important information. That's definitely one of the things I see coming up is that maybe you know it was too close to the last one. Um, and my thoughts on that are, are like I said, the Marvel thing, like. Black Panther came out in February, did really well. Fucking Infinity War came out two months later, did fucking super well, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't get it. Um, you know, I it, think go it may ahead. be partly because Marvel is pursuing an arc. You know, they even started at the, the most late in time with the first one, right? That's the Captain America. Then we bring it up to date. And from there, we just go right. and continue. You know, it's a serial. Like, you, you get... Each movie, each each main character's movie is an arc that progresses through time and is relevant to the overall arc. Like, so well, I think that's an accent where people are compelled to see where the story is going, um, more so than some of these other. You know, you know the the spinoffs have been origin stories. You know, the spinoffs jump around in the timelines, which is right. fine with us people like us. I don't know. Well, you the know, people... I mean, Mar- when you really think about it, Marvel does the same thing with jumping around in the timelines. You know, it's not one straight, continuous story with Marvel. Like, it does take jumps and stuff. It does it more now than it sort of used to, I feel like. But, you know, with Ant-Man and Wasp and uh, Captain Marvel coming out between now and Avengers 4, both of those take place before Infinity War, right? And right. same thing, like... So they take, you know, jumps in timelines. I definitely see what you're saying. Like, um, I don't know, man. Like, I just think there's so many different factors. It I'm offering potential thoughts. I have oh, no yeah. idea what it is. Oh, I totally I'm agree. I'm just suggesting what it could be. Mm-hmm. Like I said, like, I don't think it's any one big factor, you know? I think it's a lot of different ones that add up to... <laughs> cause this effect including the ones we've brought up you know like maybe it is too much too soon maybe it's confusing to the audience maybe the marketing wasn't great you know it's hard for me to get a bearing on how effective the marketing for a star wars movie in particular is because um i'm so ingrained in it like i keep keep up with it so much that you know, TV spots and shit don't 
matter to me. As soon as I hear Star Wars movies coming out, I'm going to see that Star Wars movie. That's what, that was gonna that touches on one of my points was that I think Solo shows you how many hardcore Star Wars fans you have. Because if it wasn't popular, it's showing you somebody who's not gonna go see any Star Wars movie you put out might have missed Solo. No, I, I totally agree. And I saw someone on Twitter. I wish I could remember who it was. Uh, it may have been our buddy Mike Goodhart say something to the effect of, you know, this shows you the hardcore Star Wars going audience and shows you like for a Star Wars movie to be a super crazy fucking TFA style box office hit, you need more than just that hardcore audience, you know, right to to get it to that numbers. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's exactly what I felt. So I think that could definitely be a, a, a factor in it. It could be, you know, I, once again, some of this is kind of hard for me to judge. Like how prevalent in just, you know, regular everyday movie goers' mind were all the production troubles, you know? Did and I, I wonder about that too. I wonder if the internet culture of you know, super reporting on everything about production can tank a project. Kind of like same way, same thing that happened to Battlefront from EA. You know, like there was so much negative press about its production that when the release came, you 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 potentially saw a hit to what was going to be even bigger. You know, and I don't know that. You know, we we don't know that that's the case. There are no right. You know, predictive measures to say that that's not what happened because you don't have any way to guess, but it's possible that it is a factor. Um for sure. For Where sure. the super trolls are like, "I'm not going to see it because it had so much trouble, it's garbage. I'll see it on the red box or whatever." Right. Um I don't know, man. There was another point that I was going to bring up that I thought might have sort of... Oh, well then, y y the other thing is you have to examine like the fact that we had two pretty huge high-profile movies uh, come out. One a week before and one like, you know, about a month before. Infinity War and Deadpool. And, you know, both of those are quote-unquote genre movies that are going to have a lot of crossover audience. I can imagine that Infinity War, Deadpool, and Solo have some a pretty hefty crossover audience as far as like interest in going to see the movie, right? Right. And, you know, m maybe after those two pretty big, I mean, one really big, one pretty big movies coming out, um, you know, maybe that affects the box office. It's hard to say, you know. I am not by no means a box office expert, Um I just, uh, you know, it is a bummer to see. Like, I want Star Wars to do well. And I'm not seeing a bunch of negative reviews about it. Like, uh, I mean, you there are some honest. that take some shots, but it doesn't, and they're not all negative. If you want me to be completely honest, uh, I haven't been doing the social media thing so much since we got home just because, like, I took kind of, I mean, I was on it a bit. While we were on the trip, but nowhere near as much as I sit and fucking dick around on my phone during a normal day. And then I've just been so busy since we got back that I haven't been able to really uh, do it so much. So, yeah, the I don't really know what the general... I haven't read any, like, professional reviews. I haven't read, really looked into, like, the big complaints or anything. I've heard a lot of them, but, like, 
you know, I haven't really gotten into that point where I'm sitting down and examining. You know, right. I, I want to say, like, did the Memorial Day weekend, at least domestically, affect it where people are on vacation or, you know, doing things with their family? And I don't know. I kind of feel like, isn't Memorial Day weekend one of those big movie release weekends where, like, you sort of put out a blockbuster that's supposed to bring in a bunch of money, you know? I think it is. I mean, I know personally, I haven't seen it as many times as I would normally The movie see industry is having a hard time these days lately, just in general, yeah. finding what hits home and when with the audience. <clears throat> yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, its box office performance doesn't really matter on a personal level to me. What matters to me is, did I enjoy the movie? And I did. Right. I really enjoyed the movie. I plan on seeing it, uh, you know, a few more times when I get the chance. But where it comes, where it gets tricky is like, okay, you know, Star Wars can definitely survive uh, a movie that underperforms, right? Without a doubt, right. Star Wars can. And when we start talking about the infinite possibilities of a yearly Star Wars, um, you know, may it was bound to happen. Yeah, it was it was definitely bound to happen eventually. I'm personally surprised it happened this quickly. Um, but what happens if you know the next spinoff movie doesn't do so hot? Does that then put things that they would normally consider? Like, see, this is what you're hearing right now is me getting nervous about that rumored Boba Fett movie already. Yeah, like, and the <laughs> Obi Wan movie, right? I, like. If the Obi-Wan movie really is as in, in production as as far as um, that site Fanthatracks reported, I think it's probably still a go. But what if the Obi- Obi-Wan movie comes out and does the same kind of box office as Solo? D- does that spell doom for the Boba Fett movie? Yeah. Maybe. You know? <clears throat> I think... I think um, you know, a, a couple of months back or a few months back when they announced, you know, Ryan Johnson is getting his new trilogy. The Game of Thrones guys are getting their new series of movies, plus episode nine, plus whatever spinoff movies they're planning on doing. And the TV show and all that stuff, I started thinking like, oh, maybe they are ramping up to try and do two of these a year, one in the fall and one in the winter. I don't think that happens now. I think they're going to step back and, and there's going to be a minimum, minimum of a year uh, between movies. I think so, too. Um, you know, for I episode think they're going to ride a little more on this other content. You know, what will be interesting to see is the marketing for episode nine with a year and a half to go. Like, is the marketing going to be crazy ramped up? Are they going to do stuff that they normally haven't done? Um, with the marketing of these movies to try and ramp up the interest for episode nine, I kind of think they might, and that'll be interesting to see how the performance of this movie um, affects like the marketing and presentation leading into episode nine. <clears throat> but that's enough talking about the box office. It's a bummer. I'm going to go see it some more. Like, yeah, I want it to do better, but at the end of the day, Unless it keeps us from getting more Star Wars movies, it doesn't really affect us that much, you know? Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it. 
I did too, buddy. Now, so that you've had like a little over a week, a week and a day to sit on it and think on it and stuff. Has anything popped up that you wanted to talk about that we maybe didn't address in our short little reaction? You know, really, uh, we addressed all of my my thoughts. I thought the way his name came about was not how I would have done it, but it didn't really upset me. I was like, oh, this is what we're doing? Oh, okay, all right. We'll, we'll go with that. That's cool. And then um, when Darth Maul appears and flicks his lightsaber on, I'm like, no, that's over the top and unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, see, but, and I probably said that on this show. Like, I love that Darth Maul's in there. I love, yeah. one of my favorite things about Solo is sort of the interconnectivity with Star Wars as a whole that it offered. You know, there was a rogue, at least one Rogue One reference in there. There right. was, you know, a, a prequel reference or f- fucking five in there. And it, I, I like those because of the cohesiveness of it all. Because for so long, some of these elements of Star Wars have felt very cordoned off. Where they're like, yeah, that's canon. But I still have that thing in me where I'm like, yeah, is it really canon though? Unless it's addressed in a movie. I still feel like movies are top dog as far as like unmovable canon, you know? And then just right. just below that's the TV stuff. And then below that is books and comics as far as like what they'll tinker around with. So I like Darth Maul in it because of that factor. But <laughs> I mean... If I have a complaint, it's that like I think him turning on the lightsaber is goofy. Like I think it's like it's <clears throat> goofy because to me, in a way, it's so transparent. It's doing it to have a lightsaber in the movie. People yeah. know what Darth Maul looks like without his double bladed lightsaber. Yeah, you know, he I, was trying to say, "I'm that guy." Remember me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that he had the metal legs. I love that his lightsaber was the style it was in Rebels all cool with that but i still don't think he needed to turn it on and you know and i get the the uh, point that people make when when they hear someone saying that they say well he's using that to intimidate her which i totally get but i think it's also unnecessary but it's going it's too much Mm -hmm. that's like pulling a blaster and pointing at you like it's a hologram like the hologram is not going to fire a blaster, like nor will it cut you in half with a laser sword. So um, I noticed a couple of things on my second viewing that I liked. and Well, and, and I don't really know that I came out with any new complaints about the movie after seeing it. Um, I still think Alden did a really good job as Han Solo. I bought oh, it. Oh, yeah. And I bought it even more the second time. Because that first viewing, it was kind of like sitting there being like, do I know you? Are you who I think you? Okay. You know what I'm saying? You kind of look like this guy I know. (laughs) Right. Um, Really sort of checked out the score this time. The score, I think, is solid. It is. Um, I think it's a solid score. And look, you told me this two years ago when Michael Giacchino got, um, Michael Giacchino, sorry, I fucked it up, got hired to be the composer for Rogue One. If you'd told me, like, I would like some other guy's score better than Michael G. Giacchino's, I would have thought you're crazy, but I, I dig the score for Solo quite a bit. Um, 
And of course, there was, you know, extenuating circumstances where uh, Michael Giacchino, I'm going to say that a lot now correctly, so I don't get a bunch of shit for saying Giacchino. it wrong. Giacchino. Um, where he had a very limited time to, to write and record that score, so... You know, I give him a pass on that, but man, the, the solo score is pretty good. <clears throat> One thing I did notice that was kind of weird, um, you know at the beginning when Han is running from Moloch and he's got, it, it's him and Kira in the car, it's the whole car chase scene. Right. There's the part where it's the range trooper, I believe, is what the type of stormtrooper is called, jumps on his bike and chases after him. Mm-hmm. I noticed today... Like, the CG on that Joker and on his bike is not all that great. I didn't realize when we first watched it yeah, um, that he's CG, completely CG, which is weird because there were behind-the-scene pictures, like spy photos that I, I believe were posted on Making Star Wars of that scene being shot, and there was actually a dude in the suit there. So <clears throat> I, I wanted to go back and look. Maybe they changed the design of the trooper a little bit or wanted to, or maybe, you know, that was all consequences of the reshoot stuff. Hmm. But he's CG, and, and the CG is a rare moment, I feel, especially in new Star Wars, of bad CG. Hmm. Um, but really, that's the only sort of ding against you still, the You still feel good about the Kessel monster? Dude, I dig that part. Yeah. I like the idea. I mean, Star Wars has already established that there's shit living out in space, you know? No, I totally agree. I like it. Like, I think it's very Cthulhu. Oh, yeah. And it's real creepy. And the fact that, like, its skin gets ripped off into that gravity well and stuff, it's pretty brutal. Um, The Castle Run thing. Now, the Castle Run is one of those things that I wonder how I'm going to feel about it in a couple of years. Yeah, because as as of right now, it's very exciting. You know, you get the um, you get a lot of different elements, a weird spaceship in that, because it's you know a, a running from the Empire. It's Han and Chewie's first time behind the control of the Falcon together, um, and then they go you know into the the mall. The fucking giant space octopus shows up. There's a gravity well. There, like you know, there's a lot going on. <laughs> there is. Um, oh, and, and I, then they inject the space nos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They live their life a quarter mile at a time. Yeah. Um, I did notice Anthony Daniels cameo in this one, but only because I read what it was since the you know the first time we saw it. So on Kessel, you know when Chewie and Han and all them are doing the Kessel robbery. And like yeah. they come out out of the mines, um, there's a a guy and, and he's not in costume. Like, well, he's in costume, but he's not like a droid or an alien or any, anything. And he, he calls out to the fucking meth face Wookie, Sagwa, and he's like, Sagwa, come here, follow me. And then Sagwa runs off with him and all the Wookies after Chewie says goodbye to him. That guy's Anthony Daniels. Okay. <clears throat> so that was neat to catch. Um, but yeah, you know, still enjoying it. I, you know, I do see where some of the people's complaints are coming from. It's a bummer that Thandy or Tandy Newton and um, Rio's character, John Favreau's character, had to bite it so early. I do feel like it's a waste of Tandy Newton. It totally is, absolutely. Um, 
And, you know, I, I feel like you could still do that story with her coming along and still have room to add the rest of the crew, L3 and Lando, you know? Yeah, like, I don't, I'm not sure why they had to get rid of... I see why John Favreau's character bit the dust, because you have to have a slot for Han to fill. Right, they already have you a know. pilot. Right. Um, and I love Rio. It just sucks that he has to go. Um, yeah, right. Or maybe he could have just been injured to where Han had to fly, and he was could use blasters or whatever. I don't know. They would It would have been fine for them to stick around. Uh, do you remember the part on uh, Mimbam when Han's in the Empire and he's trying to convince Beckett and Val to take him on the mission and Rio's there dressed up as a, a mud trooper too. Yeah. And he's like, uh, well, you got an Ardenian with you. And the guy, he's like an Ardenian. And he's like, yeah, uh, I saw one of your hands pop out of your butt and pull your pants up back there. I didn't notice that the first time we noticed, watched it. I heard him say that. But I didn't notice the actual scene of his hands like coming out of the back of his shirt to pull his his pants up. Yeah. And another thing, and this embarrasses me to say that I didn't notice, and it was brought up during the the Steel Live show, was that they mentioned Bosk, and I did not. I don't know how, but I did not hear that on our first. You didn't? Viewing. No. Where they're like, we could have gotten Bosk or the yeah. whatever sisters, and I'm like, oh. So when they're talking about it at the Steel Show, I'm sitting there like you could probably see the look on my fucking nervous <laughs> ass face where I'm processing going, they fucking mentioned Bosk? And I missed it? How did I men- miss them mentioning Bosk? But I got it this time. It was very offhand, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So... I like that Han beat up the Falcon. Immediately, dude. Immediately Immediately. jumped behind that will and fucking dogged that thing out. Like, made her go as fast and hard as she could go. Plugged a dead droid's brain into her. And was like, all right, let's punch it. Poor L3. Poor L3. She used to be like this badass droid lady. Fighting for droid rights, and now she's a fucking Tom Tom. That's brutal. Like, I, you want to know something fucked up? Like, so I was sitting there today in the theater, uh, watching the movie, and when that happened, like, I went through this weird. I got in this weird mind loop where I was like, if I was dying, and Jesse was like, "Hey, I'm gonna hook your brain up and transfer your consciousness into my car." And you're going to be my GPS system. Would you be cool with that? I don't know what I would say. Because like, yeah, I would still be quote unquote alive. And I love the idea of getting transferred into a fucking robot body. But I think I might get kind of bored just being a GPS system. And I, I can see that. But you wouldn't, you weren't a droid to begin with. You were a human. Right, right. I'm not saying I'm a droid now. I'm saying like in this hypothetical... I'm dying. Jesse's like, I'm going to transfer your consciousness from my human body. And this some, sounds like an episode of Black Mirror. It does. It just sounds sound like, like there's some horrific shit, like transferring someone's consciousness into a car. 
And then at night, the car rolls off and kills people and then comes back, like, because that's the only way to feel alive. Like, it's fucked up. <laughs> I'd like to think I wouldn't be a fucking Christine I'm not killer car. You. I'm not saying <laughs> you. I'm just saying the Black Mirror episode. That's what that would happen. happen. Um, yeah. Yeah, I totally... And I would be the worst GPS system because I'm terrible at directions and I would get so flustered. I'd be like, I don't know. I don't know. We got to pull over and figure it out. I would tell you you were going, but we would be going where I wanted to go. Like, <laughs> like you would be like, take me to so-and-so restaurant. And I would be like, routing. All right. And then you end up at the 10-minute oil change or whatever. Like, <laughs> I need a fucking oil change. You know, one of my favorite things is seeing, I know, I don't know if people have trouble with this or not. Uh, I like Han's gun being a rifle. Like, like, you know, when Beckett's taking all the parts off and reconfiguring it, the DL-44. Like, yeah. I was like, all right, that's pretty neat. I'm down with that. Oh, it is a rifle. All right. <clears throat> that kind of explains why it has the big scope, too. Yeah, right? Because I always thought it was a little weird that his, uh, his fucking pistol had a big old scope on it wonder if uh han ever went and rebought all those attachments maybe he just like rocking the pistol i doubt it it looks just like it, it did when we saw it in the rest of star wars didn't it yeah yeah i mean i'm i'm not saying ever on screen but i'm saying like ever he's on a job he's like oh yeah i could go buy all this shit because i i know i would i love attachments for anything Attachments, gadgets, and gadgets and stuff, just snapping shit on there. Like Jane, Jane's favorite gun. What was her name? Oh shit, I can't remember. Oh, oh it was like Era or something like that. I can't remember. You remember uh, fucking Power Rangers when you got the Megazord? Like if you got all the Zords that you could then transform into the Megazord, and then later yeah. when the Green Ranger came in. And they were like Dragon Zord, and you could take the Dragon Zord apart and then add it to the Megazord. So it was like, this, oh yeah, the Dragon Megazord. I had the movie one, so it was the White Ranger with the Falcon, and it came nice. in and attached to all of it. That that's what it reminds me of. It's like, yeah, you got the Megazord, but why not fucking attach the Dragon Megazord to it? Yeah. Woo! All right. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to think if I have anything else to say about Solo. Again, fun ride. You know, I feel like if I were 14, 13, even 16, 17, it might be my favorite Star Wars movie. You know, it's the most fun, the most action. Like, you can relate to young Han Solo. You know, I, I get it. Like, I love love the premise of the movie, love the movie. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, and like... Sad that it's doing so poorly because... I really dug it. I felt I, I'm probably dug it more than I dug Rogue One. Oh, I, I definitely dug it more than I, I dug Rogue One. As of right now, sort of my uh, Disney Star Wars movie standings as, and like the order of favorite to least favorite would be uh, The Last Jedi, Force Awakens, Solo, Rogue One. Yeah, yeah um, same. And that's just, you know, out of the new ones. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. I, I definitely wonder with the poor box office performance. I don't even know if it can be considered poor, to be completely honest. We got to see how it all shakes out. It's definitely not going to do as well as uh, any of the other Disney Star Wars movies. There's no doubt about that. It's not even going to get Rogue One's box office, which so far was the lowest, but it was still over a billion. I don't see this one crossing a billion at the box office. Um, Unless it's a surprise hit overseas. Well, I think it's been mostly... I don't know that there are that many, if if any, territories it hasn't opened in yet. Oh, I see. Which makes it a little more concerning, you know? like. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, awkward. No. Um, yeah, it, it makes me wonder about potential sequels or continuations of that story. Oh, man, yeah, and it's set up for it, too. Yeah, that's what really sucks is, like, it's set up for a pretty interesting sequel. Now, you know. Set up for Han Solo does some shit for Jabba the Hutt. Yep. Now, that's not saying, like, there aren't elements from this movie that could be uh, carried over into other movies necessarily. There's there's absolutely stuff they could do that with. But what I mean is like a sequel, a, a solo two or a solo and whatever, you know. Um, I don't know how likely that is. Uh, you know, I've seen some people on Twitter and stuff saying like, well, you know, Ant-Man when it came out didn't light the world on fire in terms of box office. Right. But they still made a sequel to that. Yeah, that's true. I don't know that the budget for Ant-Man was as big as Star Wars, though. When you include 70%, of, especially when you include 70% of the, bo- uh, the, the movie being reshot. You know? Something yeah. tells me that really cranks up your budget. <laughs> and not to you know mention whatever marketing and stuff they spent. So it'd be interesting to see. I, I can't see a world where this movie doesn't, at the end of the day, break even for Disney. I don't think they'll necessarily lose money, but they're not gonna like you know they're not gonna have the huge box office success that they've had thus far. Um, you know, once it comes out on Blu-ray and things like that, and however merchandising is factored into their their math when they consider whether a movie is profitable for them or not i think it will all shake out in the end Um, yeah but like you know like the crimson dawn that could be an element in the boba fett movie if it's set you know somewhere in that time period if it's not a a post return of the jedi boba fett movie um so in a way that could carry it over but what i want more solo and chewy you know what I'm saying? That's I, what I want. I would totally watch. And more Lando. Yeah, and, and that's a question. And you got to resolve that thing with Kira. Right. Like, there's some unresolved stuff that seems like it's being led into. And, I, and no offense to the people that really dig the books and the comics, but that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a movie sequel to this. Like, if they wrap up the Kira story in a book or something, I'll be. I don't want to say I'll be okay with that, but whatever. It's fine but I would prefer it in a movie. And right. the performance of this mm, makes me a little nervous when it comes to that. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so there's two things 
that I noticed in the movie that I, I kind of wanted to get your opinion on. Do you think when Han wins the Falcon from Lando, that's the last time he sees him before Empire? I doubt it. I don't think so, but it could be. I don't. I mean, it, it very possibly well could be. I mean, they've clearly got enough time and stuff to to work another Han and Lando adventure together in there somewhere. I don't think that's an issue. I just wonder if that's what the story they're going with is because I don't feel I'm with you. I don't feel that is the last time that they've they've been around each other since that. Um, that one adventure doesn't seem enough, like enough, um, to cement a friendship, right? For them to be, yeah, like they are in empire. You nailed it. That's exactly what I was thinking. Um, the other thing is, uh, you know, there's this element of Han and Chewie's backstory that we've always sort of, you know, known about It's that trivia thing, like. Chewie owes a life debt to Han for saving him, right? They don't really cover any of that. They don't. And, uh... They just pretend like it's mutual. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I don't... I guess you don't want the servitude angle these days. I guess that could definitely be it. But here's the thing. Like, there was a book, like, last year, two years ago. Called Life Debt? Yeah, called Life Debt. It's the second (laughs) book in the Aftermath trilogy. It's called Uh, Life Debt. So I... I feel like that alone, and you know everything's supposed to be canon. That alone shows you that there is that life debt there. Um, so Chewie feels like because Han got him out, he owes him his life. Mm-hmm. And in Solo, the way it's presented, kind of seems like, and and you hear like it's a theme that goes through it the whole movie. Once you're in this life, you're in this life forever, right? And you even yeah. hear Beckett and Val talking about like. Like, it's almost a joke between them that this is the last job, then we're going to go, I'm going to go to this planet and learn this instrument, the Valacord or whatever it's called, right? And it it makes it seem like that's what he's always saying, just this next job, just this next job. And it almost seems like that's what Han and Chewie's relationship is in the movie, where Han's like, we're going to do this job, we're going to get your freedom, then you'll be truly free. When's the last time you could say that, you know? And then... That the whole thing in the movie goes down, and what are Han and Chewie doing? They're in the Falcon going to do one more job for the big shot gangster on Tatooine, you know? Yeah, so (laughs) it'll be interesting to see how they address that in the future. Whether this whole life debt uh thing is true, is the case or not. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of my current thoughts on Solo, really digging it. Um, the only thing I wish is that I had it at home so I could watch it all the time. Right. Because I would be burning through that one. I know it. Um, and I can see myself putting that one on like, you know, like I rarely ever, unless it's a brand new Star Wars movie, when it comes out, I'll watch it a whole bunch. But I rarely ever just pick one in the middle. I have this weird OCD thing where I'm like, oh, it's time to watch Star Wars. We're starting at Phantom Menace. We're going through it chronologically. Solo's mm. one that I can actually see myself going to fairly often because it is so accessible. It is so easy to enjoy and, and fun and stuff, you know, without having to get into the whole saga of it all. Right. <clears throat> so, 
Let's talk about our California trip a little bit before we get into emails and stuff. Do you have any highlights or whatever that you want to bring up? Oh, man. Disneyland was awesome. Um, yep. So we went to Disneyland on Sunday. Um, it was pretty fucking busy the Sunday before Memorial Day. But I got to say, weather was wonderful. It, I never felt like, damn, it is too hot out here. The coolest part to me was like the stormtrooper march. Like yeah. the stormtroopers and Captain Phasma came down and hassled the crowd. And yeah, so we get there, through. right? And we get in the park. We're through the whole hassle of getting our bags checked and waiting in line and stuff. And immediately I'm like, okay, we got to go to Tomorrowland. That's where the Star Wars stuff is. So we make a beeline over there. We haven't eaten breakfast or anything. So what do you eat for breakfast at, at Disneyland when you're trying to eat breakfast? Eat a goddamn churro, right? And we got, like, I, I think they're supposed to be like lightsaber churros, right? They do blue yeah. ones and red ones, and they're all sparkly and glittery and shit. Yeah, you dip, they're dipped in, like, glitter, and it has little stars in it, like edible star glitter. And, you know me, it's the Star Wars item, so I can't just get a regular churro. I got to get the fancy one, which turned out to be a critical error because as soon as you bite into it, glitter literally, it's like a glitter bomb in your face. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like blue and silver glitter just all in my beard. I'm super fucking hungry, so I'm chowing down, just sitting on the side of the street, chowing down on this damn churro. And we get done with that, and we're just kind of looking around. We sign up for a fast pass for Star Tours. We get a return time for Hyperspace Mountain, which was cool that they were doing. That's apparently not an all-the-time thing. It's just during certain times that they change Space Mountain over to Hyperspace Mountain. And uh, we run into the the dudes dressed as stormtroopers, right? And, oh, I'm fucking into it, dude. I'm like a kid in a candy store. I'm like, fuck, yeah, there's stormtroopers here. And we notice, like, a couple at first, and then, like, another one pops up. And, like, they just start to seem, like, popping up everywhere. And they're, like, bossing people around. And this whole time, they're piping in the fucking First Order music from the new trilogy, right? And it's getting louder and louder. It starts off kind of quiet, and it gets louder and louder. And the next thing I know, the stormtroopers are basically directing traffic making a road for fucking captain phasma who comes marching through with a whole gang of stormtroopers it was awesome i was grinning like an idiot the whole time it was cool it was awesome um what'd you think about star tours and hyperspace mountain they were really cool i rode the original star tours back in the day and it was uh nothing like this one this one's crazy but it's awesome so, I never ro- rode the original Star Tours. I've never ridden Space Mountain. I've only ever ridden Hyperspace Mountain. So, right. I thought it was pretty rad. Like, when you're going up the, the climb and then the fucking Star Wars music starts blaring before yeah. you start hauling ass through the dark and stuff. Yeah. I don't know, man. It got me. Yeah, that's um, awesome. Star Tours was badass. It was all it's been cracked up to be to me. Only the tiniest little complaint I have is apparently right now it's sort of locked into a sequel trilogy sort of format. So where 
the new Star Tours, you know, is is random. You get different. You're supposed to normally get different locations every time. So you might do Hoth and the Death Star one trip, and the next trip you'll do like Kashyyyk and Endor or Jakku. You know, like they'll mix them up. Well, this one's solely sequel trilogy based. So both times we went on it, we just got Jakku and Crate, which were cool, which were awesome to see. But I would have liked to mix it up a little bit. Yeah. <clears throat> um, the fucking Star Trader store was cool. The whole Star Wars store, that was pretty neat. Oh, um, yeah. There's some great stuff in there. I know, dude. And I, I got to give it to myself. I did not go as crazy with the Star Wars buying as I thought I might. No. I did all right. Um, the high-end Star Wars shop was awesome, oh, too. Oh, the one in Launch Bay was real cool. Yeah. The ships and memorabilia and stuff in there was awesome as well. Yeah, man. I I really dig the Disney presentation of all the Star Wars stuff. Um, yeah. It makes me very excited for Galaxy's Edge. We saw where the Galaxy's Edge... Not the Galaxy's Edge, but we saw where the Disneyland Star Wars land was going to be. Yeah, that's Galaxy's Edge. Oh, okay, I thought just the one in Orlando was called Galaxy's Edge. No, they're both called Galaxy's Edge. Okay. Uh, the one in Orlando has the immersive hotel. Right. Um, but yeah, other than the Star Wars stuff, we kind of just did normal Disney stuff. What was funny was um, we went on that damn Buzz Lightyear ride where you shoot. Like, it's a ride where you're, it's actually interactive. They give you, it's basically a laser tag. And you're shooting at, like, all the Toy Story monsters and shit. Yep. And when I signed us up for the Fast Pass, Jesse was like, mm, I don't know about this one. I don't think it's going to be very good. I was like, I don't know. I hear it's fun, and you shoot shit with a gun. And she's like, yeah, not interested. Oh, oh yeah, you're not interested? The minute we got into that ride and she realized it was, like, competitive and kept score, dude, she was in it to win it. Fastest gun in the West. <laughs> And we got stuck, like the ride stopped halfway yeah, through. Yeah, I remember, yep. <laughs> and Jesse just, oh, I mean, we all did, just sat there and racked up our fucking score. Because you yep. just could sit there and shoot as much as you want. Um, On Saturday, we did the uh, the Steel live show. We went to Steel's live show as part of the panel. Um, At the Scum and Villainy Cantina. Man, is that place rad or what? Hollywood Boulevard. It was cool. They really sort of nail making you feel like it's the damn cantina yep um some <laughs> there's some crazy shit written on their wa their bathroom wall by the way i don't know i don't know if i told you this there's some crazy shit like in the handicap accessible yeah. wall oh yeah i was like oh man how are you gonna do this to the star wars bar right all this crazy what's shit? written in there i can't remember like there's this one really happy message that is like, just like, be happy, lovey, everybody. And then there's like an arrow going from it, and it's just like, fuck you. Don't tell me how to live my life. Like, it's like this wall conversation going on. Um, but the, the panel was fun. I was so nervous. So nervous. Yeah, you were way too nervous. But we you were hilarious. We got to see a lot of cool people, hang out with a lot of cool people, meet some people I haven't gotten to meet yet. Uh, our buddies Aaron and Eddie were real cool. Uh, we got to see our buddy Ted, Eric Strothers, 
Good old Eric Strathers. Eric Strathers. He was a great guy. He was Dude, nice. Uh, Eric's, Eric is the shit. Um, Space Jess from Twitter. There's so many people. I'm going to end up leaving someone out and feel bad about it, but we got to hang out, chat Star Wars, have a couple of drinks. They have a pretty damn uh, fucking solid old-fashioned at the Scum and Villainy Cantina. I, I yeah, yeah. am glad to report. And, like, you get to... When you order one, they let you roll the fucking chance cube from the Phantom Menace, right? The red and blue cube. And if you get blue, you get a free shot. So every time I was like, I think I'm going to go get another drink. Jesse was like, let me go order it. I want to roll the cube and see if I win a shot. Because she knows I have no interest in being like, yeah, let's do shots. Yeah. I ain't trying to fucking vomit in front of all my California friends. Dude, I watched her roll that first chance cube. It was a shot. <laughs> she was so stoked. I looked over, and you would have thought she just won a brand new hot toy or something. If it was me, that's the face I was making. She was like a kid on Christmas. I was like, right Dude, on. And all the toys at Frankenstein's. Oh, yeah. That so was nuts. When we when we got in on Wednesday, um, we were going to go hang out with Araj at his house. He was having like this little get-together type thing. And before we decided to meet up at Frankenson's, and damn, is that place cool. Like, if anybody's been to a, um, uh, like a, a con, imagine a giant con floor. So, like, if you like walking the, the con floor and buying shit, it's the perfect place for you. Like, they have everything. Um, and I'm not going to lie, it was real tough for me to roll out of there without anything. I didn't. I, I somehow got through without buying anything at Frankenstein's. There was so much. I was overwhelmed. I, and I even talked to a couple of vendors. They had some vendors that had hot toys. And the only thing that was the, ter- the deterrent for me was they were basically the same price that you would have to pay ordering them off of like eBay or something. Yeah. And then... You know, most of the time, if you spend the, like, you get something like that off of eBay, it comes with free shipping. With this, I would have had to pay the same price and then either figure out how to fit it in my luggage, which wasn't going to happen. Right. Or ship it back. So it just seemed like too much of a hassle and, like, sort of, uh, you know, a not so uh, frugal way, I guess, to acquire a hot toy. So I didn't really uh, end up getting any. Um, right, but they were cool. Nothing there was cheap. Everything there was pricey. Lots of pops. Mm-hmm. Lots of memorabilia. I feel like I that. Mean, it was crazy. I feel like sixty percent of the contents of that building were fucking Funko Pops. I mean, everywhere, whole booths just yeah. made out of Funko Pops with furniture made out of Funko Pops and shit. There were there was guys that were just models. All they had were models. There were guys that all they had were toys. There were guys that were all they had were Legos. All oh. they had were comic books. And we're not talking Lego sets. We're talking individual Lego bricks. This dude sold Lego by the brick and by the minifig. And there was a ton of people in his booth. It's it's crazy. Oh, oh yeah. Lots of artwork. Lots of um, video games. I mean, pretty much anything. I mean, it's it's called Frankenson's Collectibles show i think yeah aptly named it is 
any kind of collectible. I saw import Japanese stuff that was catching my eye. I mean, if we had something like that here... Magic tournament. Magic tournament. Retro arcade area. Yeah. If we had something like that uh, going on here, do you know how much fucking money I'd blow? Oh, my goodness. Dude, you should start one. You should start (laughs) a place like that. You should buy yourself a warehouse. And be the Frankensons of the South. Frankensons of the South. Collectible mecca. Halls and wheels. Uh, rockin' collectible show. I don't know. Big Cat Conservatory. Collect- <laughs> Fire show. <coughs> the, <coughs> the world's only collectible show, collectible warehouse, and Big Cat Sanctuary. There we go. We to, found it. Today really? in the news, Halls Burkhart, founder of the Big Cat, Big Cat Conservatory and Collectible Show, passed away while trying to feed his tiger. I can't believe you said it this time and I didn't have I to. I know. I was going to take I just had to take it away from you. I knew it was coming. Um, I, I got nothing now. Yeah, so that night Watch we went, uh, Araj and his r- wife Lorena were excellent enough to have us over um and man it was a good time to bring us into their home and feed us delicious oh the food was amazing the company was amazing like uh finally got to meet a bunch of people that i haven't met yet and dude i just laughed and smiled and had a good time nice everybody was so welcoming yeah man it was it was nice to come in and just you know for the most part our first day in california we just sort of Hung out, checked things out, didn't have anywhere to be at necessarily any specific time, and just had a good old time. Uh, the only thing, the only thing that kind of sucked is by the time we got back to our hotel room that night, because we had to get up at like 3 a.m. to fly out, we had been awake for like 24 hours, maybe a little over 24 hours. So, dude, I was beat. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. The next morning, we kidnapped Aaron Boyd. We we lured him in with delicious breakfast. We went out to breakfast, and then we're like, "You want to go hang out with us, buddy?" And then we forced that dude to ride around with us all day. We kidnapped a tour guide. <clears throat> Great to see that dude, though. Yeah, he was really nice as well and funny. I joined the Aaron Boyd fan club at Celebration last year, and I'm proud member to this day. I'm going to re up my dude, my dues. Uh, Friday, we got to hang out. Um, with uh Aaron. Not Aaron. I just said Aaron. Brandon. Brandon Manrique yeah, is our buddy. Brandon. Uh, went Another out. really great guy. I, I, right, dude. Like that's what I'm saying, Link. Really great human being. These are great people. Rusty, Brittany, fucking all these people we got to hang out with. Rashad. Carlos. Carlos Less. Such a great dude. Like all these people I haven't really I've I've met some of them at celebration and stuff last year, but there's quite a few that I haven't met yet. Everybody's so nice and just cool and laid back and stuff. Like, it was nice, man. It was nice. It was nice getting to hang out with Brandon. We checked out Newport a little bit. Um, Yeah. Went to lunch. Dude, it's beautiful over there, man. Like, I get the hype. I get the hype. So, uh, you want to do some emails, some voice messages, and things of the like, buddy? And we'll call it. No, I do. Yeah. 
All right, we got a, quite a few, so we'll get to as many as we possibly can. Um, and you know how we do. If we, we don't get to it tonight, we'll get you next time. <laughs> so uh, let's kick this off. We haven't heard this jam in a week. If this jam will ever happen. Here we go. Well, I thought we were going. What the hell? Hey, the audio is really good for me. You're super cockhead! The only Jedi master who can crash box Kitty! Cockhead! Running around slaying bitches with his cockhead! He's a big Surian stud. He loves to split chicks with his pud. Kitty! Cockhead! To stroke his cone and suck on his balls. Kitty! Cockhead! What you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge. But he'll be pumping spooge tomorrow! Cockhead! Lou Herb! Cockhead! Hansberger! Cockhead! Will Witt! Cockhead! Goose Paint! Cockhead! G-Money! Cockhead! King Tom! Cockhead! Joe! Cockhead! G&D! Cockhead! Cockhead! Hey there, Hawes and Will. I guess maybe last week I should have gloated a little bit in my voicemail after Solo. But you know what? I've been doing victory laps around my house. I've been giving myself high fives. My head is swelled to Kia D. Mundian proportions. And because of that, I have another new Star Wars theory that will shake the world. And, and I'm, I'm offering it up here as a Blue Harvest exclusive, so I hope you're ready. You might want to buck, buckle yourselves in, baby. My theory is this. Lando Calrissian, not a human. I'm thinking Lando might be a part droid or something. I have a few pieces of evidence to back this up. I'm not saying he's a full droid, maybe a cyborg or something, but I'll, I'll just let the evidence speak for itself. Number one. Lando was originally developed by George as a clone. They didn't use this in Empire Strikes Back, but who was present, or who wrote Empire Strikes Back? Larry Kasdan. Kasdan has written every on-screen appearance of Lando, and maybe he's keeping this in his back pocket that Lando isn't a human, you know, for Lando's secret story, and the story group is going along with this. That's evidence number one. Number two, in the conversation with Kira, when asked how it works, all L3 says is, it works. It, meaning Lando's robo parts that allow them to get it on. Thirdly, whenever they're around Publican and L3 is talking about droid rights, Lando appears visibly embarrassed. And that the reason for this is he wants her to keep it under her hat. He doesn't want it getting out that she's into droid rights because people start investigating her. Then they'll investigate her and Lando's relationship. They'll investigate Lando and find out he's a droid also. My next bit of evidence, uh, after L3 lets go of the mean man's face, she tells Lando, they don't serve our kind here. She's an egalitarian. She wouldn't use the royal we in conversation. She's not referring to just herself. She means her and Lando. They don't serve our kind here. Now, I know what you're going to say, but what about uh, Lando getting all those drinks from that drinky droid? 
that's a thing. It was a droid serving <coughs> not one of the human keepers of that establishment. My final piece of evidence, Lando Calrissian is just too perfect. Think about it. Anyway, um, thanks for letting me ramble on here. Thanks for the great podcast, and I'll talk to you guys later. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure the fucking king of all time, Tom's just tried to tell us that Lando has a robo dick. Robo dick 3000. He totally tried to tell me that Lando's got a robo penis. Hey, I can dig it. If that's part of Star Wars canon, that he is like a cyborg and his cybernetic parts are like his dick, his butthole. I don't know. Maybe like his kneecaps or something. Maybe he's got a robo mustache. Maybe that's a nanotech mustache. Maybe he's just a regular dude that likes to get it on with robots. I mean, honestly, I think that's probably the most likely thing. At least one robot. <clears throat> um, but it's funny to think about. And to be completely honest, when we're listening to King Tom's voicemail and he's like, Lando's a robot. At first I was like, King Tom, you're silly. And then two things happen. I think King Tom talking about oh, L3 is going to become part of the Falcon, and that should happen. And then I think, and then I'm like, eh, but still, seems like a stretch. Until he gets to that part where he's like, L3 says they don't serve our kind here. And then I'm like, ooh, shit, King Tom, maybe you should put out a YouTube video. That would be cool. Might explain him. Star Wars Prophet. King Tom. <laughs> yeah. Nostra Thomas. Nah. Nostra Thomas. Nostra Thomas and his ah. Star Wars quatrains. Ha, 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 ha. In the year of our Lord 2018, it shall be revealed that Lando Calrissian has a droid dick and perhaps a droid butthole. So it is written, so it shall be done. <coughs> oh, man. King Tom, if you if I'll say this, if you get this out, if you if you if, if if somehow that turns out to be true, like and I think your job at Lucasfilm might be in trouble, buddy. Cause that is a fucking that's a tough one to nail. <laughs> I I remember hearing and reading about the Lando supposed to be a clone thing in uh, Empire. I remember hearing that before. My question is: Was how far into the process was that considered? Right. Um, because Kasdan wasn't the original writer. Lee Brackett wrote the first draft before Kasdan took over. So I wonder if that's something that was. Oh no, that's something I'd have to go and look into um, to see if Kasdan was actually part of like the Lando as a clone uh, discussions or anything. Right. All right. So I mean, that was kind of George Lucas' solution for a lot. Just make him a clone. <laughs> yeah. Um, next up, we've got an email from Edward. He says, "What's up, Halls and Will? Hope your California trip is going great." Eddie from Austin here. I was curious what you think about the excitement level for Solo this time around. I heard a lot of people complaining that they weren't as excited to see Solo as they were the previous Disney Star Wars films. I think they say that because it's only been six months since The Last Jedi came along to answer questions people had left over from The Force Awakens. And that Star Wars is just starting to normalize after finally finally finding out what happened to our heroes post-Return of the Jedi. 
I personally don't see it as a negative. I've been pumped as hell for Solo, but just the right amount of pumped. To me, the excitement level for Solo was almost perfect aside from the negativity. I think if Star Wars is starting is going to start to marvelize, then it needs to normalize. It doesn't need to be the second coming of Christ each time a new movie comes out because that's not sustainable. I'm around the same age as you guys and I don't think I can live through another Phantom Menace or Force Awakens hype apocalypse. I probably have a fucking heart attack. So what do you guys think about the excitement levels going forward? Love to hear your thoughts and thanks for the great booty eaten podcast. Cheers, Eddie from Austin. Sent from Chef Will's old low boy cooler he threw out with a pound of brisket and a case of beer still inside. Don't ask me how it knows how to send an email or how I got the cooler, for that matter. <clears throat> um, oh, speaking of brisket, we had an excellent conversation with our buddy Tracy, um, who came to the show, about brisket. I just that When he said brisket, that remembered me talking to that dude Tracy about brisket. Um, so I guess he sent this before Solo came out. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm with him. It does, it definitely doesn't seems like, seem like we were talking Force Awakens or Last Jedi level hype for this movie. I also, right. I also feel like the, uh, like Rogue One didn't have as much hype as those other two movies. And I think it's a matter of it being a spinoff. You know, it being something new that we're not used to. Um, yeah, but he's absolutely right. We do need to. It does need to normalize a little bit, and we need to <clears throat> calm down a little bit because not every movie is going to be as huge as The Force Awakens. We're probably not going to get a movie that big as far as you know uh, reaction and uh, box office, especially unless at some point. Star Wars takes another extended break. If Star Wars goes away for a few years again, which I don't want it to do, I got limited time, guys. Give me as much Star Wars as you can. But unless it takes another sort of extended break like it has in the past, I don't think we're going to see something as big as The Force Awakens again. And that's no, fine. I don't think so either. I think we will see ups and downs. Just like every Marvel movie isn't a fucking Black Panther, Infinity War, First Avengers um, type gigantic crazy success there's bigger right. movies and there's smaller movies i think that's what we're going to see in star wars um the one thing i'd say is i hope the production of these things smooth out a little bit because like i said before hiring on a new director to do reshoots that shit can't be cheap no hell no <clears throat> all right next up we've got our buddy aaron and it's, oh, I, this is aaron from the show i think his title is the subject of his email is the hollywood hugger Hey, Halls and Will, first-time writer but long-time listener. I met you, Will, and Jesse at Steel's solo reaction show. I really hope you're able to add that Star Wars comic with the Kia D cover to the Kia D collection you've been building. My friend Eddie and I saw it and just had to get it for you guys. Halls, I apologize for the awkward hug I gave you after giving you the, the comic. I was just so nervous to meet you two such amazing dudes in the Star Wars community, and I wish I wasn't so nervous and would have talked to you guys for some more. Anyway... The reaction show was great, and I think you were the funniest person up there. Sorry for rambling on. I don't actually have a question this time around, but I'll sure get to writing in more often. 
Thank you, Halls and Will, for doing all that you do for the Blue Harvest podcast, the best damn-ass Star Wars podcast out there. Hope you enjoyed California, and I hope to meet you guys again someday. Your loyal California moisture farmer, Aaron J. Buddy, don't be nervous around us. You should have just come and hung out and talked. First off, the Kia D comic was the Star Wars <clears throat> item procurement of the trip. That thing is right. amazing. Thank you for that. Uh, it will look very nice in the, the Kia D shrine. It's a comic cover I didn't even realize existed. And somehow it manages to make Kia D look real badass too. Yeah, right. But yeah, buddy. I'm so glad you came out to the show. So glad you uh, stopped by and talked. And don't worry, give me a hug. I'll give you a fucking hug. I'm down to give yeah, you a right? fucking hug. It was really great to meet you. And I really appreciate you thinking about us and bringing us the Kia D comic. And buddy, um, maybe we'll see you at Celebration if you're planning yep. to go to that. <clears throat> All right, next up we have Willis. And he says, Wookie. That's the subject of his name. Ahoy hoy, a love solo, but why did that Wookiee Chewbacca rescues look like a person in a cheap gorilla costume? Was that just my eyes? I need to see a still image of it because it looked well ropey in motion. Still, though, it wouldn't be Star Wars without the occasional dubious costume. May the force be with you. So, yeah, we've we've talked a little bit about old meth head Wookiee or meth face Wookiee. And uh, I think it's actually kind of sadder than that. I think it's because old boy Sagwa is like ill. He's like sickly because he's starving and he's been working on the spice mines of Kessel. So that's why he looks all fucked up. Poor fella. Yeah. He's not like the real nice, well-taken-care-of Wookiee like Chewie, who you just got to hose down in the Falcon. And next thing you know, he's all fluffy and fucking beautiful looking. Chewie has never looked more huggable than he looked after he got out of that shower. Like, yeah. Homie conditioned all that fur. He had to use like a Costco-sized bottle of conditioner. Maybe that's the only time you ever see Chewie fresh out of the shower. You see Chewie in a lot of different ways you've never seen him before. You never see, like, Chewie caked, covered in mud, looking like he's been mud wrestling either, you know? That's true. They kind of gave you some, you know, they're like, yeah, people have seen Chewie a lot. Let's give him something a little different. A little fucking bro shower with uh, Han Solo. Who wouldn't like that? I know I would. I know you would, too. I know I would. <clears throat> All right, next up, we've got our buddy Tyler. It's very exciting to finally write in. I'm fairly new to the show, as it took Halls' Steel Wars episode for me to come to my senses and start listening. I don't think I've missed a week since, and I'm happy to have Blue Harvest as part of my regular podcast rotation. Well, we are super excited to have you, buddy. <clears throat> While Solo might not have had the big opening of other Star Wars movies, I did my part and forked over a couple of bucks to see it. Overall, I had fun with the film and give it a lot of credit for not just being a big mess in light of the behind-the-scenes drama. Though the movie was enjoyable, some of the on-the-nose moments were teetering a little, teetering on a little too much. However, I can forgive them all out of sheer relief of where I feared one particular scene was going. When Chewie and Han are in the elevator and Chewie rips the guards' off, arms off, Han makes a comment about being unable to wear the uniform. For a moment, I thought he was going to take the guard sleeveless shirt and this was going to be the origin of his vest. If this would have happened, I would have probably groaned so loud that they kicked me out of the theater. 
as I said, though, this is very fun and enjoyable fil film. And left me with the same, I want to see more film. I want to see more feeling that all of the new films give me. Keep up the great work, fellas. Well, thanks for writing in, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. I got to say, the w one thing that I was really <coughs> worried about, and I'm, I'm super glad they didn't do Tyler's, because uh, that would have been cheesy. The one thing I was super worried that they were going to do was they were going, and, and they kind of did it, but not as bad and as cheesy as I had imagined them doing it. But I was worried that they were going to have Sean, Han uh, shoot some, or like like maybe Beckett tells Han, you always shoot first, and then Han shoots someone first. You know what I'm saying? Some mm, a little more on-the-nose and cheesy version of what we got. Because we definitely got that, but without like the dialogue or the extra cheesiness attached. Han just shot the fuck out of Beckett before Beckett had a, time, a chance to do anything. Right. <clears throat> All right, so we'll do one more email, and then we will pick up with the rest of you guys that wrote in uh, next week. Thanks for writing in and stuff. Uh, this one is from our buddy Neil from Chicago. Hey, Halls and Will. I have to say, Solo A Star Wars Story was not just a great Star Wars movie, but a great movie in general. There was a great mix of action and character building and so many great references to other parts of the Star Wars galaxy. I was also surprised by the order of events and how it ended. I had it built up completely differently in my mind, but loved the final project. Lastly, I love how this has opened up the underworld and all of its tales, as well as direct sequels for Solo. I would love to hear your thoughts after a week to process it. Your friend in the force, Neil from Chicago. Uh, I mean, we kind of gave our thoughts after a week to process. Um, I'm still a little bummed at the idea that we might not get a sequel. I'm not saying it's out of the question completely, but... But it could be jeopardized. It could be jeopardized. Uh, and there's so much from it that I want to know more about. I want to know more about Maul and the Crimson Dawn. I want to know what's going on with Kira. I want to... <clears throat> I really want to know what Emphis Nest gets into. Like, I would devour Emphis Nest content right now. Emphis Nest is my favorite part of Solo. Um, I just like those characters in fucking badass armor, especially when they give that character some cool shit to do. Right. Um, so I could definitely do with some more Emphis Nest. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a shame. Like, <sighs> I guess, you know, all we can do now is sit back and see what its final box office tally is, what its, um you know, final sort of fan impact is if there's fan demand for more, you know, maybe they do produce another one. I hope they right. do. I really hope they do. I really hope they do as well. And the one thing that would worry me is if they're going to do it, obviously, you know, just by sheer math of it, they're probably going to have to try and make it for a little cheaper than they did this one. Now, if it goes yeah. smoothly, then I imagine just by that fact alone, it'll be cheaper. But what worries me is if they do have to go cheaper with the budget, um, does that mean you can't get the Kasdans back to write? Does that mean you can't get Ron Howard back to direct? Does that mean you can't get the cinematographer who did an amazing job? This movie looks incredible. It um, does. Does that mean you can't get him back for the sequel? And I don't know. I don't know how that stuff works. But I really want to see 
a 100% Ron Howard Star Wars movie now. And it would be real great if it was the next Solo movie and they were able to get back the Kasdans, Bradford Young. I believe that's the cinematographer's name. And just, you know, fucking give us more. Absolutely. <clears throat> All right, buddy. I think that's going to do it for us this week. Thanks for recording. Dude, thanks for making time for me. I wish we were hanging out in California. Yeah, right? Me too. Going to Disney and eating in and out norms and shit. Definitely. Um, if you guys uh, were some of the guys that stopped by and the live show and uh, let us know how much you enjoy the, sh- the podcast and stuff, guys, thanks so much. It really means a lot to us. And we had a blast visiting with all our friends over there and stuff. So um, if you like our theme song, be sure to check out the band that was kind enough to provide the music. They're Stoned Cobra. You can get them on iTunes, Spotify, or at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. Uh, make sure to leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us out. And until next week, it's been Blue Harvest, and I'm Hans Burkhart. And I'm Will Witten. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with us. <laughs>